Uh, hello, all you Jedi Knights out there. Welcome to the Phantom Podcast. I am Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. Functioning as a slight time delay. Yep, sorry. And saying his own name. We are preoccupied looking at our phones because we're going to do something a little bit uh, different on this episode. Of the Phantom Podcast. Of the Phantom Podcast. Yeah. Uh, the podcast about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Film released in 1999 by director George Lucas. His fourth film. It was meant to be a big, expansive sci-fi saga. Well, it's a big, expansive movie. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, he never got to make any sequels. As far as we know. So this is the first and only Star Wars movie to the best of our knowledge. And if anyone were to reference anything about other Star Wars movies, we'd call them a fool. We'd, For, we'd be baffled. Those films Non-plus. don't exist. Last week, we uh, uh, deconstructed his uh, director's commentary. And he yeah. kept on saying, oh, this is a recurring theme through all the Star Wars movies. You you idiot. Focus on one movie at a time. You've only made one film. It was you, a, that was a real problem for yeah, us last week. A real problem last <laughs> week. You made four movies, but only one of them is a Star Wars film. You right. made THX 1138, American Graffiti. I think there's one other one. Yeah, and then Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom movie, Menace. Yeah, right. Something yeah, yeah, in the yeah. 70s. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, as always, we have with us here uh, the Ben Deucer himself, the mm-hmm. pro-doer, producer Ben. Hello, Fennel. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to say something that makes sense. Hello, gentlemen. Okay. Hello, uh, Fennel. Producer Ben, you are not allowed to edit that out, and now Hello, Fennel is our No, I'm editing that out, <laughs> You're not. Damn it. No, I You're don't not. think so. Hello, mm. Fennel. Hello, Fennel. Hello, Fennel. We're going to make Hello, Fennel t-shirts. It was like, <laughs> it was fellas and gentlemen all wrapped up into one. Hey, it was perfect, and now we have a catchphrase. We didn't have a catchphrase, we didn't have a t-shirt, now we got both. Um... Producer Ben's going to play an important part in this week's episode because uh, this week we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do what we call our boom, 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 performance review. That's right. I don't know how I feel about the boom, 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 but okay. everything else. This week we're going to do what I call our dun, 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 <laughs> performance review. Yes, this, the, the stakes are high. The stakes are high. One of the big complaints that is lobbed against The Phantom Menace mm-hmm. is that the acting is terrible. People say this all the time. Oh, it's the acting in that movie is so bad. It's so wooden. Yes. Often people say everyone in the movie is bad, except yep. for one person. Yes. Everyone has some Everyone has one performance yeah. they kind of like, but right. they, they by and large think that the, it is a film filled with bad acting. It has a ton of great actors in it, as we uh, discussed in the It's got past. a cast to, you know, to die for. A murderer's row exactly. of thespians. So we are going to try to answer this question conclusively. Mm. Is the acting good or bad? Is the acting good or bad? Is the, is the cast is the cast of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace do a good job? Now we all know that art's subjective. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, criticism exists in shades of gray, but not today. So no, not today. No, no, no. This is a thumbs. This is a pass fail. Right. Uh, system. So we're going through the IMDb cast list of The Phantom Menace, going one performance at a time, and judging whether or not we think they're good. David and I have to agree. Mm-hmm. And then we'll tally up a point for either the good column or the bad column. If Dave and I are in a deadlock, Hello Fennel himself, Purdue Ben. God damn it. Will be the tiebreaker. I'm the Robert Duvall of the judge. Wait. No, yeah, he was the, the judge. judge. Oh, right? the judge. Yeah, he, he was the, the judge. judge. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Who is the judge in the judge, though? Like, is there another judge judging the case of the judge? Yeah, I don't even remember who it okay. is. All right. Yeah. Have you ever seen the judge? No, we talked about this on the first episode. Okay. We should maybe do a whole podcast about the judge. <laughs> It's a good idea. Yeah. Um, it, judging the judge would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Verdict? That, yeah. That is that is one of the craziest movies I have ever seen. <laughs> it's a, yeah. I have I, ever seen. Not to make this about the judge. Okay. But just Please. to try to tease our, our listeners so they get excited and write in demanding that we do a 10-part miniseries on the judge, mm-hmm. 
Uh, there is a plot line in the judge where in his first night back home, Robert Downey Jr. hooks up with a young bartender played by Leighton Meester. Oh. Right? Already gross. Sure. Then he reconnects with his high school girlfriend, played by Vera Farmiga. Okay. All right. They got a thing going on. Then one day Uh-oh. he meets up with her. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Leighton Meester. Is her daughter? Yep. Already gross. And then he works out the timeline and realizes- Are you kidding me? Nope. Are you kidding me? Nope. And does he have sex with Leighton Meester in the movie? Unclear. Wow. I did not know that that you was a plot of the judge. You see them on screen making out aggressively. And it's his daughter. I won't tell you the resolution. I will tell you the resolution is terrible. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for you, but you will not believe how it resolves itself. But that is all established within the first 20 minutes of a film that is two and a half hours long. Right, right. And was apparently an unofficial remake of Old Boy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, for most of those two hours, Rob Dine Jr. is just kind of freaking out about whether or not he fucked his daughter. <laughs> it's like a major subplot in the film. And he keeps on trying to get a definite answer from Vera Farmiga over whether or not he's the father. And she's like, why do you care? And he's like, I, I don't know. I just want to know. That does sound, that actually sounds kind of like the Robert Downey Jr. trying to, uh, you know, sort of suavely ask a very impossible question. Yeah. I mean, we do enjoy watching him do that. Hey, look, uh, Judge and the Judge, What's the Verdict? will be coming soon to the yeah, UCB yeah, that's, that's, Comedy that's uh, yeah. Network. Yeah. Um, so let's let's just dive right into this, right? Okay. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of people. Top build. It's a performance we've discussed a lot so going, on the show. We're going by IMDb's billing, which is usually in billing order. It seems pretty correct. Looking at it right now, there's one that I think is... Is out of order? Yeah. I th- it looks largely in order, but a little Robert but Duvall a little. might say, you're out of order. He might say, you're out of order. Yeah. Bad Duvall. Right. Um, not going to put it in my mad TV reel. Um, top build here, on IMDb at least, the great Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Academy Award nominee. Nominee, only nominee. He never won. Only nominated once. Only too. nominated for Schindler's List. Should have been nominated for Kinsey. Snubbed for Kinsey. Was great in a that. A surprising snub that year. Surprising I snub. An Irish actor. Yeah. Northern Irish, I believe. Uh, yeah. Um, and he'd been around for a long time. Like he'd probably been famous for somewhere in the realm of ten years, right? He'd, you know. Yeah. Well, if we want to look at the timeline here, we can do this thanks to uh this week's sponsor, IMDb. This week's episode is sponsored by IMDb. Thanks for the money, IMDb. Please send us some money, IMDb. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, he'd been sort of floating around, and I think, in the uh, early 90s. Like, Dark Man, that's 1990. Right. That's where he starts to uh, become a leading man. Well, Excalibur's his first big thing. That's 81. And oh, then, wow. Right. right. Well, he's, 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 right. he's but uh, At this point, he's right. young. He's supporting. He's right. going he's through crawl. all of that. I forgot right. about that. Yeah. So he's still doing a lot of TV. And then I guess his breakthrough moment, the Satisfaction, one of the... Uh, uh, oh, no, I was getting that he's with the other one but uh deadpool he's in deadpool yeah uh dark dark man 1990 i guess that's his first dark big Man's leading the, role yeah yeah and, and, a, and under a, suspicion and husbands and wives husbands and wives was a breakthrough leap of fra- faith he's really good at schindler's list Schindler's is a game changer 1993 and yeah Nominated after, after that he's a lead so he's Nell, rob roy he's showing himself Michael to Collins. be oh so he's a great leader les miserables playing jean valjean right and then on to star wars episode one the phantom menace as qui-gon jinn the uh, wise Jedi. I would have no argument with him being top belt, first of all. No, of course not. Because uh, last week we were talking about how uh, Georgie Boy uh, in the commentary says that he thinks that it's a Queen Aldala's story told right. through the Jedis. Yeah, but he is, he probably gets the most screen time in the film. Yeah. yeah, and he certainly has the biggest presence in the film, and I would argue the best performance in the film. Uh, yeah, probably. I would probably agree with that. It's It's a disappointing performance only in that we know Liam Neeson can do a lot. Yes, yes. Within the realm of Liam Neeson performances, it, it is a lesser entry. But 
I would argue there is not a false note in the performance. No. Which is a pretty big accomplishment considering this shit he has to say. And the creep he's playing, but the film is not presenting him as a creep. Right. Yeah. I mean, you only really realized the enormity of his creepiness by watching the movie 18 times yes, in the last it's month. It's over and over again. You realize, right. wait a second. He just he just slips the blood thing onto the kid's arm. But he plays it with such nobility and such grace yeah, that you right. actually- He has a lot of presence. You don't realize how creepy he is. Yeah. He has a, right, a tremendous amount of presence. He's got this beaten, like, like Irish poet's heart, you know, kind of thing going on. Have I ever told you this story? Uh, I was on vacation with my uh, family. Okay. How old are you? Um, I was uh, nine, eight or nine. Okay. Um, I think I was nine. And my, uh, it's the year before Phantom Mass comes out. Right, 1998. Right. And the movie is top secret at this point. Okay. No one knows anything other than the cast. Right. And, uh, we're walking into uh, our hotel and sitting there oh boy, in the hotel lobby at the bar, slumped over. Oh, man. Is Liam Neeson. Right. The great Liam Neeson. Wait, is his hair long? Does he have the Qui-Gon hair? No, I think it's not. short hair. Yeah. I think it was a wig. It's probably a wig. Yeah. It's, a, it's weird hair. And they brought filming. I mean, as you remember in the commentary, they said a lot of shots were filmed like a year later. Right. <laughs> so I think they shot the movie in 97. Yeah. There was like a that year of sense. post, then reshooting, and then, right. Yeah. So this was this was probably a year after principal photography had wrapped. And uh, he's sitting there like real drunk, right? Right. Uh, in retrospect, I have a very clear image of him in my head. I don't think I identified him as drunk, even though I knew he was at a bar. But now I saw it. This is like, this he, is he's a functional drink. Right, yeah. Yes. And uh, my dad goes, Griffin, do you know who that is? And I go, no. And he goes, that guy is the lead in the new Star Wars movie. He knows what's going to appear. He's not going to say, that guy was in Schindler's List. Yeah, he's no. going to say, that guy's in the new Star Wars He movie. knew that was going to blow my mind. I right. went, really? He went, yeah, he is like the new Jedi, I think. And I went, oh, my God. And he went, do you want to meet him? And I went, y- yeah. And so my dad brings me over, and he goes, hi, Liam. I'm sorry to bother you. And he, like, says, yeah, yeah. And he goes, uh, "This, is, these are my sons, like, uh, Griffin and Jamesy. Uh, we called my brother Jamesy at the time. Sure. Uh, As you still do. Yeah. And uh, uh, they're big fans of Star Wars, and they wanted to meet you. And he went, oh, hi, nice to meet you, boys. Uh, you know. Sure. He's polite. Um, right. Shook my uh, tiny, tiny baby hand, hand with his hand, which is the size of a head. Right. And uh, I said, uh, uh, excuse me, sir, can you tell me what the new Star Wars movie is about? Fair. Right? That's all I want to know. Right. And he went, I can't tell you anything, but I can tell you it's going to be magic. Wow. And he was right. The best one yet. The best one yet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's never forget your review. <laughs> but I think that's very sweet. That's a nice story. He seemed sincere when he said it. Right. I think he hadn't seen an assembly of the footage yet. <laughs> right. Well, I, I mean, you imagine he shot the film largely against yeah. screen, so he yeah. may have literally just meant like, I can't tell you because I, I don't know. You. I don't know. Because uh, it was so perplexing to make this film. Yeah. But I assume that magic will ensue to turn it into a good movie. Right, right. But I think we can firmly put it in the good column, right? Yeah, we're, we're agreed on Liam Neeson. He just he just brings uh, the authority that the role needs, yeah. even if he's maybe sleepwalking a little bit. But but he sleepwalks as well as anyone in the business. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the guy can't give a fully gravitas, uninteresting performance about. because of his gravitas. He's right. a real movie star. Right. What if I just said every performance was bad and then this movie, this podcast was just a fight? If I just, every single one, I'm just like, no. Hey, if you want to do it, because here we go. This here we might, go with Ewan McGregor. Might be a contentious one. Ewan McGregor in the role of 
Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Uh, the Padawan learner to Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, somewhat poncy Englishman. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little cheeky, a little too cheeky for my taste. Doesn't do. You were right. A the ton. negotiations were short. Shut up. Fuck yeah. Okay, so Obi Wan's arc that in rat the rat tail off your head. His arc in the movie is yeah. he does nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and mm-hmm. nothing, and then at the end, after Qui Gon is killed, he steps up, kills Darth Maul, and agrees to train Anakin. Ugh, fine, I'll. He I'll really does point. very little else in the movie except mm-hmm. sort of provide a little bit of back chatter, and as you say. Now, one could argue that he was meant to be the audience surrogate character. A I lot suppose. of films that take place in huge universes yeah. like this, unlike our own, they create one character who's sort of simple, yeah, wide-eyed. He, he asks questions right. and he provokes explanation. Yeah, Right. But usually for the audience surrogate character to uh, function, mm-hmm. they have to be emotionally relatable. Right. You have to really feel a connection to that character. Yeah, no one feels a connection to the freaking dork. No, the, he's like f- head of the class. Right. Right. Yeah. He's but uh, this performance he's very very bland in this movie. Yeah. Now Ewan McGregor is an actor. We've disagreed on him in the past. I suppose so, but I would say at this point he's one of the most exciting actors in yes. Hollywood. Yes. At this point, up until this point, his track record is is pretty phenomenal. Since then he's been a little hit and miss, but let's let's go through here and look at Oh, no. I mean, but yeah, before this, you know, he's uh, been in Shallow Grave right. and uh, Blue Juice with Catherine Zeta Jones and Train Spotting, which is his real breakout. Yeah. Um, Emma. Yeah, and the Pillow Book. He makes this sort of combination of challenging British uh, art dramas like Train Spotting, like uh, Shallow Grave, these sort of like 90s, iconic 90s thrillers. Velvet Goldmine. A Velvet Goldmine. Yeah. That's not a thriller, but similarly, yes. Uh, Life Less Ordinary. Mm-hmm. And then he also has played a sweetheart. In movies like Emma and Brassed yeah. Off and uh, Little Voice, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know he's he seems to be maybe a future a future leading man, a future, future marquee idol. And you could even argue at that point, looking forward, going, "Oh my God, Ewan McGregor just got cast in Star Wars. He's going to be a mega star." Right? He hasn't had his big hit yet, but you yeah. figure, you know, here he's he goes. got the this goods. Is it. Another thing I'd say is he does have this sort of scruffy charm. Not in all of his films. Some of them he plays more posh, but no, certainly no, in, but he does. You're in the Danny Boyle right. films yes. and Life Less Ordinary. Yeah. There's uh, Velvet Goldmine especially. There is uh, He uh, uses sexuality in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. He likes showing his penis a lot in movies. He does. But he does have this aggressive sort of sexuality, this bad boy attitude. You go, oh, interesting. Interesting guy to place into this stead sci-fi universe. Yep. None of that transfers over. He it's it's as if he was commanded to play it as flatly as possible. He is essentially playing Martin Prince from The Simpsons. That is what his yeah performance is. Um, now he is you know a, an engaging actor. He yeah. does have presence. Yeah. Uh, his technical skill. He never looks at, into the lens. <laughs> he never clearly forgets a line on camera. You know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. You're right. He showed up. He says all the words in the right order. Yep. Yep. Uh, he didn't gain a lot of weight halfway through filming, so no. that it'll be a continuity error. No, not at all. The basic professionalism <laughs> of being an actor is in place. I think, you know, it, and we, you figure maybe the films are pointing towards some future sequels. Like maybe yeah. he's just being set up as like, you know, this guy will be important later. Right, right. I Yeah, they probably had bigger plans for the character that right. never really got to pay off. Like a, a Commons role in Terminator Salvation. I remember Mick G saying that in the, the third film of the Terminator Salvation trilogy, oh, that character it's... was going to become really interesting. We really missed out on Mick we... G's Terminator trilogy. Um, 
Uh, uh, but you, I mean, the weirdest thing is the man's a Scottish actor. He has yeah. he has the voice, just the most dazzling accent and voice. Yeah, and he is uh like in doing this bizarre accent horrible boring fucking like, really like it's like he's straining to hit yeah. every bam, note bam, of it. Bam, and i don't know what he was thinking yeah it's um, like he's imitating another actor yeah and like i just don't know what the purpose of that is so is your vote to put him in the bad column uh yeah i i, I will i will cede to that it's i think it's a weak bad you know i i think it's not horrible yeah um, I think a lot of it was the material. He wasn't given much to play. As you said, he doesn't really have an arc. But right. uh, he failed to make it engaging, and I guess that was his one big role. Uh, but props to him for uh, not looking into the camera, as I said once again. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Ewan. Yeah. It's only your, like, 14th film, and uh, you're, you're not looking into the camera. Now, here's a big one. <laughs> Natalie Portman okay. in the role yeah. of Queen Amidala we- slash... Wait a second. She played Padme, too? Oh, I think we covered this. We did cover this. She- oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, um, now, Portman, yeah, this might be contentious. Natalie Portman, born Natalie Hirschlag. That's right. Uh, one of the prettiest Jews of all time. Absolutely. Uh, one of the prettiest people of all time, but I... I spe- a definition of a, sort of a Jewish maiden, yes. Yeah, well, and I want to put the emphasis on Jew because she makes me proud of our people. Absolutely. Uh, breaks out in 1994 with Leon the Professional. I mean, a star-making performance, man, I would argue, from a the very, kind of very performance uh, people still talk about. And they go, who's this? Very natural... Yeah, one of the best sort of child performances ever. Yes. And and arguably one of the best debut performances ever. To play a lead in a movie your That's first right. time at bat yeah. really kills it. Goes on to do Heat. Yeah, she's after this, She's just she just pops up in movies. Beautiful Girls, Everyone Says I Love You, Mars, Mars Attacks. Attacks. Yes. Okay, so uh, one, two, three, four, five. Phantom Mass is her sixth film That's ever. Right. Yeah, I think she had also done Anne Frank on Broadway, but I'm not sure. Yes, yeah. she had done Anne Frank on Broadway. She yeah. did one short, but it's Leon the Professional, directed by Luke Besson, Heat, directed by Michael Mann, Beautiful Girls, directed by Ted Demi, Everyone Says I Love You, directed by Woody Allen. That's right. And Mars Attacks, directed by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. She's worked with some big directors. And she's one of the only people to survive in Mars Attacks. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's just her and Lucas Haas, right? Taffy, the president's daughter. She becomes the first lady, I yes. think. Yes. And uh, maybe Annette Bening survives in Mars. No, not a lot of people. Uh, Annette Bening does. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Let's, um, ooh, let's do Mars Attacks sometime. I love that movie. It's a weird movie. That was my favorite movie when it came out. That movie frightened me when it when it came out. Oh, me too. Yeah, and that's I what I yeah, loved about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I my dad had to drag me to the theater because I was convinced I was going to run out screaming, and yeah. I loved how much it scared me. It's, it's I, I just, when it's you're really a kid. funny. Yeah, I think the movie's great. Um, but uh, she's only worked with huge directors, huge stars. Carried her on against. You that's know. right. That's absolutely right. She's obviously been anointed a uh, yeah a, a a talent in Hollywood. Right. Another person where they went, oh, my God, Natalie Portman is in Star Wars. A, that's going to make her huge. Right. And, and B, that's going to be a great boon for the movie. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're tapping into uh, this, like, vein of talent. Right. How are we doing, Natalie? We, well, we have two different performances it's to discuss. It's true. She gives two performances. She gives very distinct performances. We have the regal, yes. procedural uh, Amidala with the voice, the uh, this weird stilted accent. Played as a Canadian on South Park. I will not let the Trade Republic. <laughs> Comiti. Comiti. Uh, and then we have the looser, slightly yeah. snarky mm-hmm. uh, Padme, yep. the handmaiden who's in the Tatooine scenes and yeah. uh, eventually obviously turns out to be the same person. Yeah. Uh, and she's, you know, she's, she's a little more natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of her scenes, I feel like, are with are with Jake Lloyd or with Anakin. Yeah, but she's fun because she's just playing kind of young girl in that. I mean, I think she's yeah. playing herself. And she she actually is the only major character to sort of bite back to Qui Gon. Yes, Qui Gon's like, we're going to do this now, and she's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. 
And of course, he's just like, uh, I'm going to ignore you. But Which, if in the film, not to keep on griping about this. Keep griping. But if in the film, we as the audience had been told clearly that Padme was the queen in disguise as a handmaiden, rather than just sitting there and going, okay, Natalie Portman's playing both characters, something weird's going on here. Right. There actually would have been opportunity for good comedy. Right. Those scenes would have played better, where she's going like, they I don't want to walk, and he's like, well, enjoy walking, you know? like Yeah, they would have played better. Better. I don't know that they would have played well. I'll give that to you. Yeah. Um, uh, funny uh, note in the commentary, George Lucas mentioned that Natalie Portman sprained her ankle, and that through oh, like, she's all, limping around through all of those Mosespa scenes, yeah. she's uh, she's limping around. Which I kind of I always thought was kind of an interesting character choice because it made her look more dowdy than the queen. Yeah, it turns right. out she just it just, she just fucked just, up her body. Yeah, well, you know, poor Natalie. Poor How Natalie. old is she when she makes the film? Uh, so it's uh, let's see, if we're saying that they probably shot in ninety seven and ninety eight for a ninety nine release. She would have been da, 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 81, so she would have been uh, uh, 16. Right. So, you know, and um, again, there seems to be a lot of promise for the future for this character. Yeah. But the it's, po- it's, that's why they're hiring young, you'd imagine. Right, right. Yeah. We want her to be able to do many right. films, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think this is a case of someone being in over their head. She had done a lot of films. She'd worked with a lot of big directors, but that's a key point here. She worked with a lot of directors who were very hands-on, known for their good performances, working with other actors. Suddenly she's thrown in wearing these very heavy costumes, working against a green screen a lot of the time. As we went over, some of the you know stuffiness, staidness of the Queen Amidala character is not her, is another actress we'll get to a little bit later. Oh, yeah. A lot of those scenes, it's not her. Uh, but even watching what is there on screen, it's not a great performance. I would agree. It's not. It's not really a spellbinding performance. No, people say it's a bad performance. I, you know, I wouldn't say it's a horrible performance. No. I know Natalie Portman claims that she wasn't able to get work after doing Phantom Menace. Wait, is that true? Let me yeah, she her, did an uh... interview recently where she said she wasn't able to get work because everyone thought she was such a bad actress. And Mike Nichols wrote. Because he had done the seagull with her. I yeah. think they did seagull as Shakespeare I, in the Park. You're absolutely right. Because I know it's not Shakespeare, but it was part of the Shakespeare look, in the Park season. Look, you fucking nerds. Don't get on my back. The public theater you, yes, stages the public two theater. plays. Yeah. One's Shakespeare, one's not. Almost always. We call it Shakespeare in the Park. That's what us New Yorkers do. Yeah. You fucking nerds. Um, look it up. Well, no, I was just going to talk about how after Phantom Menace... Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in Anywhere But Here and Where the Heart Is, but obviously those were filmed before The Phantom Menace. I think also both those were Fox pictures, so it that, strikes me as Fox knowing they had Phantom Menace going, we gotta yeah. cash in, she's gonna be a big star now. And those are her teen drama, her right. last as a teen. And then after that, it's kind of nothing. There's something she did in 2002, but uh, the name escapes me. Okay. And then in 2003, she's in Cold Mountain very briefly. Very briefly. And it is a spellbinding, fantastic performance. Well, I don't know if you remember it. Yes. And it, that really, to me, reintroduced yes. her as a serious like adult actress. So, uh, she couldn't get work. Right. She did The Seagull with like Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think Meryl Streep was into it. It was an insane cast. Right, right, right. Um, Mike Nichols worked with her, was like, you're really good. And she's like, no one believes me. <laughs> Which is so, which is really crazy. Like yeah. one movie, really. It shows you how toxic the Phantom Menace really yeah, was. Yeah, and there also are, you know, to the credit of a snarky public, there are a lot of examples of people who are really good as child actors, and when they get their teenage years, they get a little more self conscious, they get a little more stilted. Sometimes you see kids who are really good just because they are natural, because they're not self aware. You know. 
Yeah. You watch the movie Boyhood. It's a perfect example of how much better he is as a kid than it, he is as it, a teenager. Of course. There's a naturalism. And, right. right. And Sometimes teenager, child actors lose that. Yeah. We'll so, be talking about another child performance soon. Oh, boy. Can't oh, wait. boy. So I, I think the argument was maybe she lost it. Maybe she's not one of those ones. Maybe she's not a Jodie Foster who grows up and grows into it. Mike Nichols, on her behalf, wrote letters to a lot of big directors. Hmm. And said, hey, she's really good actress. You should really work with her. Right. And that is why Anthony Mangella hired her for Cold Mountain. Interesting. Interesting. She was willing to do a smaller role, even right. though she it's was a bigger star. Good, it's such a good scene. Yeah. It's really just one scene. Yeah, and she said that's what remade her career. Yeah. That performance yeah. then And then showed in, in 2004, yeah. she has Closer and Garden Gets State. Gets nominated for an Oscar. And, and uh, even though I despise both of those films, and we can talk about that at some point. I dislike both of them, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's certainly... Yeah. That's that's where she vaults, I feel. But she gets an Oscar nomination for Closer. Yep. She uh, she uh, wins uh, for... She wins the Golden Globe, and then... Uh, she does, for yeah. And she, yeah. I believe, wins the New York Film Critics. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. she ultimately goes on to win uh, Best Actress at the Oscars for Black Swan. She's doing great. That's one of my... Mary's a choreographer, has a baby. Yeah. Natalie's yeah. doing great. So she's doing great, and so I won't feel too bad about chalking one up in the bad column for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a bad performance. Okay. Sorry. We, yeah, it's true. We really, we softened the blow for Natalie just by going over her future successes, th- but it's a It's, it's a, a bad performance. performance. But I yeah. think we both like her, and we want to stay in good graces, so we want to make sure that everyone knows in the in the wider sphere of things, we like Natalie Portman, but it is... A bad performance. Yeah. Next on the list, Jake Lloyd. It's a bad performance. Oh, boy. I'm putting down the tally mark right now. I we mean, can discuss it more, but there's uh, no argument. We can argument. discuss it more, but, I mean, it, it's a noxious performance. It's a noxious and, performance. And you feel for the guy because yeah. he, in later date, would say, like, it really ruined his life. Oh, yeah. Being in this film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is watch YouTube videos of uh, interviews with Jake Lloyd from the last five years. There are a bunch of them because he will occasionally do uh, conventions. And they'll sure. like interview him there, right? And he says it it totally ruined his life because uh, kids come up to him. Well, he's gone through college and high school and God. life. You know, he had to like grow up. He was seven yeah. in, when they oh, shot God. the movie, and everyone just fucking makes fun of him all it's, the time. It's I think Yippee! it's it's really tough for um, uh, male child actors yeah. because if you made an iconic movie when you were prepubescent, yeah. Oh, it's it's usually bad when you're pub- you know when you're a teenager. Usually, yeah. that is not a, an easy process to watch unfold. Yes, and he also had a classic kid face. He did. He did. Yep. I mean, he reminds me of of that '90s right. cherub, like yeah. Jonathan Limp, Nikki. Yes, th- those sorts of uh, cutie pie kind of blonde. Uh, yes. Uh, little boys. Of course, the great J. Nikki. And if you agree with us that he reminds you of J. Nikki, please tweet at J. Nikki <laughs> on Twitter and please. say. And say, direct him to our podcast. Say, yes, Jake. Hashtag, yes, Jake. <laughs> anyway. Tweet. At Jalen um, Nicky. Uh, but, but. Uh, look, I mean, I think the biggest problem here is that maybe George Lucas does not know how to direct children at all. Because. I would argue. Uh, you would argue with me? I No, I would argue oh, that yeah. is correct. Would, but you do you want to argue with me? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, because. Every line reading, is, yeah. it, it feels like it's the first one he gave, and yeah. Lucas was just like, good job. Yes. Because even though he talks in the commentary about having multiple takes where people are carrying on mm-hmm. emotionally, which obviously disgusted him and made his blood run cold. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, Lloyd Lloyd really just, it, it just feels like he, you know, are you an angel? Like, it's just, it's, he's reading it off really of a bad. cue card almost. He feels like very coached by his parents. Yeah. 
Um, the weirdest thing is he had given what you would think of as a very natural, charming child performance in the film Unhook the Stars before uh-huh. this. Yeah. Uh, with Nick Cassavetes, who's mixed as a filmmaker, but he's good with actors, yeah. I would say sure. is his yeah, that's is a, his I'd agree. Line. Yeah, his problem is writing, not right. acting. Yeah. Right. Um, his his uh, control of emotional tone isn't great either. But he's good with actors. He was in uh, Jingle All the Way, where he's fine. Uh, yeah, he he's he's kind of a brat, right? I mean, he just yeah. wants the toy. But he does it well enough. And that's before I forgot. That's before Phantom that's Menace before. as well, of course. Yeah, when I I don't want to say he got cast because of that performance, but that was like when they announced that he was playing young Anakin. It was like Jingle All the Way star. It was like yeah. that had just come out, right? And and it's like. I, no one got excited, but how are you going to get excited about right. a seven? You just assume, you go, okay. like, oh, okay, well, it's fine. Yeah. He did a movie called Apollo 11, a thing called The Host TV Movies, uh, five episodes of The Pretender playing young Angelo, T- Timmy, and Ronnie Collins. So he played three different characters across five episodes of The Pretender. Show some range. Hey. Probably played a cute kid in all of them. He's in yeah. ER, right? Didn't he have an arc oh, on yes, ER? Oh, yes, sorry. I skipped over that. He was four episodes as Jimmy Sweet. Right, ER. which I, th- I I remember him. He's he's a cute little, you know, sick yeah. kid. Um, yeah, you know, he he, 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 yes. he checked the boxes yeah. for what this yeah, role is, fine. which is sort of a disarmingly cute little kid. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it's not a good performance. Uh, he's a kid. I don't want to anger him. Uh, I don't want to blame him. Uh, I don't think he's done. Yeah, I'm looking at his further IMDb after this, and yeah, he did a movie great. in 2005 called Madison. Mm, I can't uh, say I know it, Jakey. Nope, it's a Jim Caviezel movie. Okay, uh, wait, he directed it? <laughs> uh, no, he starred in it, uh, Jim the Weasel Caviezel, mm-hmm. directed by William Bindley, a story about a man's personal struggle to victory in the 1971 Madison, Indiana, Plain Regatta. Wow, that sounds um, scintillating. Jake Lloyd's picture on his IMDb is still him in... In The Phantom Menace. Yeah. yeah it's an onset. It's actually a very cute photo. He has this, like, mop of hair that is just... His look is really great. His hair is incredible. Visually, he's amazing. Yeah. As, I, is, as is true for so many things about this movie. Visually, they nailed it. As discussed perfectly... Uh, had uh, Previously, not discussed perfectly. No, perfectly. As discussed previously and perfectly, I had the Anakin Skywalker action figure... Okay. Uh, one of the things I spent my money on, the little I had left over after buying a Comtech communicator, and uh, th- I'll tell you, the character translated perfectly to that medium. Right. It was a great action figure. Um, Just because the uh, mop of blonde hair, right? Cool little rat. What did you do with him though? Like, well, what? put him in the pod racer. I got, oh, I got asked. Oh, there, yeah. yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey, and he perfect. had the helmet. The helmet looked great. Right. I can't give him. It's a good helmet that. with the yeah. goggles. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But other than that, his credits sin- between nineteen ninety nine and two thousand five. Those are the only two movies he made, Phantom Menace and Madison. His only other credits are Star Wars Episode One: The Video Game, Star Wars Episode One: Racer Video Game, Star Wars Episode One: Jedi Power Battles Video Game, Star Wars Super Bombad Racing Video Game, Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds Video Game, God, Star Wars Racer Revenge. Games. Why do they make game. so many video games? It's one movie. I don't know. We it's should, so weird. We should review the video games. <laughs> um, I do own uh, Phantom. Uh, sorry, Pod Racer, the Pod Racing game on the. N64. I used to have that one. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, the the uh, trademark um, sign of, of what I hate usually in child actors, I'm very critical of child actor performances, because I think if you get a good child performance, it's like capturing lightning in a bottle. Right. And it's it makes yeah. your film immediately relatable, because uh, kids are amazing audience surrogates, because right. everyone's been a kid. Yeah. Kids are so simple. And pure in the way they see the world that you can get away with a lot more with a kid. I wrote I wrote a whole fucking paper on this in film school before I dropped out of film school. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It was a good paper. I got an A-. Nice. Um, but uh, 
there's a thing I hate in child performances that this seems to really suffer from, which is when a kid has clearly just been coached through the lines by his parents right. in the trailer over and over again. Right. Um, where they just went like, no, Aunt, uh, uh, Jake, say it with more like you're curious. Right. Okay. Are you an angel? Yeah. And well, even more problematically, the director is not then smoothing that. Right. Action. That's the big yes. difference. Right. So this is, you're pretty much getting Jake Lloyd's parents' performance. Congratulations, guys. You yeah. were in a major motion picture. Yeah. yeah. You destroyed it. All right. Um, we got to move on. Yes. Uh, but um, That's the, a, no. the, the That's... problem with that is then they get to set and they don't have to relate to other actors and actually interact and listen because they've just been yeah, learning they've just the been doing it in reading. the uh, yeah. uh, fuck you Jake Lloyd's parents Jake Lloyd you seem like a decent guy Jake I Lloyd, hope your life sorry, picked up. sorry for everything you went through okay now here's an interesting one Ian McDermott in the role of Senator Palpatine and this is Ian McDermott is a wonderful uh, English actor Tony Award winning yeah with he's a theater actor yes and uh, in England I believe the Almeida he was the Basically, the artistic director of one of England's major theaters, and mm-hmm. uh, oh, he's actually Scottish. I, sorry, yeah. uh, the UK. Yes, the Almeida Theater. Yes, went to and, the Royal um, Academy in Glasgow, and uh, he he's uh, just just he's. Well, I mean, we haven't really talked about this much. Well, he's credited as Senator Palpatine. I believe he also is playing Darth Sidious. Yeah, it's actually not credited though. No. But the bottom half of his face looks very familiar. We we, we haven't really talked about this because it is the most devastating flooring twist of the film. Yeah, in that it's not even really revealed in the film. No. Um. But so let's say he's playing two sides of mm-hmm. one coin. So mm-hmm. as Palpatine, he's this uh, charming, kind of disarmingly, almost self-deprecating, like uh, man of the people type politician and i I will say if not a fully comedic performance it is one of the few performances in the film that actually feels fun and light and uh, aware it seems he's having a good time playing this i would agree and and it's god aware aware is a good word it it, it's making me realize just how how devastatingly wooden the acting is in this film yeah because when he's opposite say natalie portman right it's you're just like you know look at this guy see yeah he's delivering the lines like he's a human being right like and the way he talks about the Senate, even though he has a lot to convey yeah. in almost no lines, like, oh, the bureaucracy, you know, and he does it so well. Well, that's like a real classical theater actor thing where he can just find sort of the music and the dialogue and yeah. make it have sort of yeah. interesting rhythms, even if what he's saying isn't dramatically interesting itself. It's absolutely the case. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm I'm just getting higher and higher on this performance. Yeah. And, and the fact this is that, kind of a great performance. Yeah, it's a good performance. <laughs> and and you, the fact that you, you know, you're suspicious that yeah. maybe this guy's up to no good. And there is that note of slight suspicion yeah. as he's talking to Amidala, especially when they're in the Senate, when mm-hmm. he sort of leans over her shoulder and gives a sort of Iago-like nudge. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Sidious, that's a scary guy. Yeah, and you know, it's for it's, someone we basically never see in person. It's, he, he, it, has of, it, he has a lot of he has a lot of terror. It's a skill piece. It's it's physical stillness combined with that change in voice. Yes, you know, you're uh, only really seeing the bottom half of his face. But even the way he contorts his mouth and and the words come out, it's slightly different than with Palpatine. Not just because right. there's sort of a grimace on his face, right? And the voice is great. The I mean, it is, is a great, so scary voice. It's 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 like he's been doing it for thirty years. Not only am, are we obviously 20, putting 20 years. him in the good column, yeah, but I'm now starting to argue he was maybe snubbed of a Best Supporting Actor nomination. I think nomination he was snubbed year. of a Best Supporting For two actor performances, he's really, this is really good. And one could argue he kind of single-handedly carries the movie, any scene he's in. Yeah, which is not enough. Okay. All right, next is Pernilla August as Shmi Skywalker. Shmi yeah. Skywalker. Pernilla August is, I believe, Swedish, a uh, Swedish actress. 
Am I right? Yes. And uh, this, I know, was her first English language performance, and she basically recited the lines phonetically. She had been in some Ingmar Bergman films. Yeah. Uh, who was a great director, who was wonderful with actors. Yeah, yeah, well known right. for his uh, his directing. Right, actors. so once again, showing she can do it in the right circumstances. Uh, she knows how to act. Yes, and oh, and she was married to Billy August, which is where she got her last name, who's an, uh, another uh, great Swedish director. Uh, here's an interesting thing I just found. You were saying that you thought it was her first English language performance. Yeah. She was in two episodes playing different characters of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Okay, fair enough. Which was produced by... By uh, Lucas. Georgie Boy Lucas. Right. Yeah. So that must be where he took note of her. It must be. Um, I think maybe, well, maybe it was her first film. Uh, and here's a very, very other interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1999, the Go same on. year that Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Mask comes out, in a TV movie, she plays the title role... In Mary, Mother of Jesus. Oh, so she is, wow, she's playing two virgin birth people. Yep. 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 And in both cases, their sons went on to, we think, accomplish much goodness, but we don't know. Yeah. I'm saying Anakin is the chosen one. He's going to clearly restore balance to the Force. That's what we assume would happen in the later films. Right. And Jesus killed it. He was the chosen one. He restored balance to the force. I have some news for you, by the way. What? Um, here's here's her quote on Wikipedia. Okay. I was very happy to get the part, but it was the first thing I did in English. Young Indiana Jones was in Italian and German. I never spoke English in that. So I was a little nervous. Ooh. So it was her first English language performance. Okay. And I, I think, like, yeah, I don't think she had enough uh, confidence in the language. I think it was a lot of, um, you know, learning the lines phonetically. David, what? How would you weigh in on this performance? I, I think she's good. I think I, I do too. I, good. I, I thought quite, we were going to fight over. No, this no, one. no. I like yeah. her, even even if she's maybe sometimes struggling with the accent, and her accent is a little off-putting because no one else in the film really talks like her. But it's, I remember as a kid being really taken in by her voice. I like, agree. It she doesn't has a fit in. Fantastic voice. But even the accent is very interesting. Well, she she's, brings. She has a soft maternal yeah. energy even to her yes. uh, way of speaking. Yes, and I, I would say in the same way that. Uh, Ian McDermott gives one of the few fun performances. She gives one of the few, I would argue, kind of uh, emotionally resonant performances. Yes. I think you actually feel the weight of her love for her son. Even though we don't get to see her carry on. Right, right. You know, she's not given a ton to do, but even with bad scenes, you feel that maternal love. Yeah, and the house that they live in. It it is baffling that Watto agrees to surrender Anakin and not her because her role... She's like the worst. Like, she doesn't do anything. He's the best worker. He builds he, robots. He's a he does genius. nothing. He's yeah. a mechanical genius. Yes. Yeah. And he wins pod races. What the hell does she so do? Much do like, fucking the dishes? Money off this what, what, I, don't, I don't even understand what I her mean, role is. I mean, I think some of the things she does might not be appropriate for oh, dear, a PG oh, film. I'm saying, I, knowing hey. Watto, what a scumbag he is. That guy. I'm okay. not making crass jokes. I'm saying, honestly, that might be subtext. Jesus. This, and may, maybe it was an immaculate birth. Maybe she just didn't want to tell Anakin that Watto was her father. What if we come up with the theory that Watto is Anakin's father? What if we come up with the theory that Anakin is half Jewish, not Jewish in the eyes of the Lord because his mother probably right. isn't Jewish? It's unclear. Yeah. What if his, what if, oh boy. Am I going to say it? Yeah. What if Anakin's penis is a little blue truck? <laughs> what if Anakin's penis, his seven year old little boy penis, looks like Watto's nose? <laughs> Watto's uncircumcised nose. We're going to email George Lucas. 
We'll hopefully have an answer for you by next week. I assume he'll get back to us shortly because he's not working on anything right now. Yeah, he's uh, George Lucas at example.com. Example.com. He's going to email us back and tell us whether Anakin has but, a little baby uncircumcised blue penis. I just want to, you know, she's in the good column. Right, we've, we've marked her Oh, down. she's in the okay. good column. So we're moving on to Oliver Ford Davis. Um, Davies. Oliver Ford Davies. Another really well-known English Shakespearean. Really? Okay. So I'm not familiar with his work outside in of In England, I mean, he's on the stage all the time. He's a really? stage actor. He treads yeah. the boards. He treads the, the boards. Motherfucker treads them boards. Yeah, he, he did a leer that I saw, oh, and he was terrific. A good leer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he plays the role of Sio Bibble. He does. So Sio Bibble is sort of the... Um, uh, whining Ponzi yeah. uh, advisor to well, Queen Amidala. I'm not sure. And he, at one point, he sort of complains that uh, their people are dying and Naboo is in trouble. It is some sort of ruse to lure her back to the yeah. planet. So you assume that he broke under jelly torture at the yeah. hands of the Nemoidians. He does an okay job conveying all of that. Yeah, I I give him good. Once again, it's it's the classically trained thing. He does find a music in the performance. It's it's fun. It's light. Uh, there's the scene where he's talking to the Moidians and they're in the robot chair. And That's right. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of entertaining in that. Naboo is peaceful. I, he's yeah, he's always right, he's overdoing it in a way that's actually kind of appropriate. You know what I kind of like is the one where he's he's on. Um, uh, no, no, right, no. That's Palpatine too. I was going to give him credit. It's Palpatine who's on the holographic message, and he okay. starts breaking up, and he goes. Bah, 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 Palpatine bah. really should have won Best Supporting Actor oh, that year. And but then Natalie goes, uh, "Send it to Palpatine." Okay. Send it up, Palpatine. Um, okay, so I, I'd say we Relax, give guy. we give <laughs> we give Sio Bevel. A, 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 I'll give him a yes. A light pass, I'll give right? Him a yes. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have a ton to do, but no. He's... But it's it's a fine performance. Yeah, it's fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. not a fine performance. It's it's a fine performance. I agree. I agree. Okay. Now here's one that we discussed a lot last week, mainly for what it isn't rather than what it is. Yeah. Hugh Corshi, which is an incredible last name, terrific name, in the role of Captain Panaka. Captain Panaka, <sighs> a Ghanaian actor. Really? Yep. Uh, born in Ghana, member of the Royal Shakespeare Company. So another oh boy, another uh, great. You know, I mean, remember this film is shot in England, mm-hmm. and so obviously Lucas is drawing from the rich tradition of stage acting there, uh-huh. and is correctly assuming that Shakespearean actors can lend almost anything gravitas, even if it's uh, you know uh, space nonsense. Not to mention, this guy has been in. Nightbreed. He's been in Highlander. Oh, he's in Highlander. He's wow. done some horror he's done a movies. Lot of things. He's done some sci-fi movies. So he, in the past, has shown his ability to lend some gravitas yeah. and some weight to you know sillier sort of cult uh, genre. Wing Commander, films. Doctor Who. He, you know, he's yeah. a, he's done a lot of he's done a lot of English TV. He's done he's done a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, one interesting thing, tri- piece of yes. trivia for him: he openly refuses to play Othello because he finds the role demeaning for a black man to hey. play. Uh, first thing I'll say for him, I had no idea he was British. He does a great American accent. He does. In this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's flawless. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he does what's asked of him fairly well. Yeah, I think I think our problem with him is more what we wish the role could be, and not really what he's doing. But this is the question. He's yeah. not a comedic actor. He's a you know a Shakespearean actor. Yeah. Can we blame him for not making the role funnier, as proposed in Connor Ratliff's theory? And, you know, Connor Ratliff's theory I love, but yeah. it's not like, as written, Panaka is right. firing off zingers. Right. Um, that would require either a rewrite yeah. 
an extreme or pass improv, on the script. A lot, a lot of ad libbing. Bringing yeah. on someone who's going to really riff on set. I'm inclined to give Hugh Quarshy a solid pass. I agree because he's just you know um, when he's in there in the final action scene, like yeah. you know, it seems you, you believe that he's a guy who can uh, lead troops and fire a weapon and do all that stuff. Yeah, and there's a moment I really like in his performance where he comes in and presents R two D two to her, and yeah. he's like kind of he goes like uh, I believe his name is, and he like looks in the back and R two D two. Yeah, he's just, I I, I kind of like him in it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Oh boy. Ooh boy, Ahmed Best. Ahmed Best playing the role of of Jar Jar Binks. Now it says voice, but I believe he also performed the role physically. Yes, physically he was on set wearing a suit and uh, with his face exposed. They used his reference, but in certain scenes and shots, when you were just seeing one of his appendages. Yeah. Uh, for example, when he's grabbing the uh, wrench from the uh, pod racer. Okay. Or when his feet are up on the table in the Royal Starship, it is actually just his body in a suit. That's interesting. There are like four isolated shots. There's a couple in which shots where it's actually him. The arm or the leg. When his face is on screen, you're not seeing full body. It is him. But he was on set the whole time. Um, and it was his first film. He had been an extra in Morgan Freeman high school drama Lean on Me. Uh, and he had also um, been in the off-Broadway stage show Stomp. Right. That was where he... And he, you know, that's a physical... Yep. So I assume that, like, you know, he, he's almost giving a, a clown-like performance in Stomp, maybe. So maybe that's where Lucas yeah. got the idea You're of You're making noises. Him. You're moving around. Yeah. Uh, mm. But that's not really—we're not really distressed with the physical uh, it's the aspect of this. It's the vocal. It's the vocal. Now, <sighs> here's my question to you, David. Yeah, please. Shoot. Were you handed some sides uh, for an audition? They handed you some sides for addition. Okay. Hey, David, do you want to read for Untitled 1999 Sci-Fi Project? Okay, right. And you read it, and the opening line goes, Oopsie day, Misa so thankful for you saving my life. Misa never know gonna how I repay you. I forgot about oopsie day. Right. Yeah. Well, you're you're asking me how do I not give that some kind of inflection, yeah. especially if I'm he's a Jamaican actor or a Caribbean. I forget. Yeah, I forget where he I've was born. watched interviews with him. He doesn't speak with a Caribbean accent. I think he comes from that background. I'm sure he had family members well, who he was able he's to a reference. New Yorker, I guess, but he, yeah. he's of Caribbean descent. I yes, suppose. right, Caribbean descent. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess my question is: Is there any way to play what is written for you properly? Um. I don't know. And I also think we would love to know just how that direction went. If, yes. If there was the direction oh, of like. No, I, ben. I found uh, in the quote section uh, in response to uh, the Jar Jar Binks character representing a black save st- uh, stereotype. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, uh, you know what? You got to check your head and examine your own beliefs. Jar Jar is an orange frog. Heads need to relax. That shit is crazy. I just thought I was doing a funny role. I didn't know that the Jedi were a metaphor for the man. Okay, so let's put him in the bad column. Uh, Because that's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) I do do like that he calls him an orange frog. Yeah, I do too. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I was going to play devil's advocate and kind of let him off the hook saying he was playing what was written. But if he read what was written and had no part of his brain ping that maybe it was going to read that way... I'm not going to judge the man, but I mean... If you're asking me if he gave a good performance, like... No, he it's didn't. Not, it's, it's not a, a good performance. performance. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good performance. Okay, so next is Anthony Daniels playing the, uh, like, the barely seen C-3PO, uh, a half-built robot who lives in a sand hut. Small role. Sort of small, somewhat comic role. He's sort of like... Yeah. 
provides some commentary on R2-D2's antics. Mostly just stands there. Doesn't yeah, really do it. Doesn't do much of the plot. This is what I like about it, okay? And I don't know what this guy Daniel's background is. I don't know what other he's work he's done. English actor. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I like the fact that you only get a little taste of this character, but it feels fully developed. That's true. You know? It's Lived like in. Sometimes you see someone play the role they were born to be- play. You see John Hamm take the role of Don Draper. Uh, Donnie Drapes. And, and you go, oh, God. It's like he's been playing this for years already. Right. You watch Anthony Daniels fit into C-3PO and you go, man, it feels like he's been playing this role for like 22 years. I think I think you're absolutely right. It really did feel like a 22-year legacy. Yeah, like yeah. a vintage, you know? Uh, he was also a physical performer. Yeah. The C-3PO puppet was so uh, skinny that he stood behind <laughs> it and puppeteered it. and then they I didn't know that. Okay. Green screened him out. But he right. was on set performing the actual puppeteering of and the And doing suit. the voice. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. I, I think it's a good column. It's a minor performance. Yeah, no, let's give it let's a good. Give it, let's give him a good. Uh, Kenny Baker in the role of R2-D2. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, he's a small man who's inside the suit. <laughs> he's a little person. <laughs> he's a little person. Inside of a rubbit. Um, I... I don't. I don't know. How do you judge it? This... He. He. You know. R two moves with with a real sort of natural kind of. I don't know. Let's give him a good. How can we say it's Let's bad? Let's put it other. Let's put it other. <laughs> not to other him. It's not because he's a little person. We can't judge that, right? Uh, it's it's hard. To we judge can't. That. All right. The thing moves well. I don't know. Who knows how much robotics? I don't know. Uh, Frank Oz in the role of Yoda as as a voice, a famous Muppeteer. mm Hmm. At the time of the theatrical release, it was a puppet. That's true. That's true. And then it was done in CGI. For the re-releases. Uh, yes, the 3D re-release. Yeah, and the Blu-ray. One more attempt at, at getting that franchise started through a 3D re-release. Um, uh, I Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I really don't like this character. I don't either. That's, <laughs> and it's hard to judge it because all we have is one movie to go off of. Yeah. It's really, really hard to judge this character. But you look at what this character does in this one film, and he's a dick. So awful. He's a dick. He talks in a weird way. It's not funny. No, and he's not even trying to be funny. He's being serious in everything he says. No, and it feels like the best way to play this character would be with a mix of humor and gravitas. You you would maybe want to just like lead maybe with a comical sort of (laughs) punch, and then you know, then you can bring in some gravitas later. Because physically, he's kind of funny looking. You think a great thing would be to have this character enter? Think he was some weird swamp creature? Yeah, you you call Jar Jar an orange frog. This guy's a green frog. Right. Yeah. You bring this guy in. Go. What's this guy's deal? He looks like a nothing, and then reveal. He's a Jedi Master. Yeah. That would be like I mean, a that's great right. appearances can be deceiving, right? Right. right. What exactly. if like Yoda was outside the Jedi Council High Tower, right? Like cop uh, a spare change uh, you may have. Right, but then it turns out he's been watching you all along. He right. still seems creepy. Right. I would love that. Uh but I think it's a bad. It's a bad performance. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Oz. Fuck you, Frank I love I'm a, a yeah, big, of course. as big it, a Muppet a head as you will ever has. find. <laughs> you are. It's yeah. true. I'm insane about the Muppets. I'm a decent director. I like his movies a lot. Little Shop yeah. of Horrors is, is yes. maybe my single favorite movie musical, I would say. Personal favorite. Right, right, right. Um, uh, it pains me to say you know, it, but this is not a good performance. Yeah, he hasn't directed a good movie in years, but I, lo- I love Bowfinger. I love Bowfinger. I, lo- I, love I, like, in, I like In and Out. Uh, yeah, I do too. Kinda like, like, I like What About Bob. I like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I, I even like House Sitter. Uh, was that what it's called? House Yeah, Guess? House Sitter. House, yeah. No, House Guest is with Sinbad. Right, I always get confused. And I, even, I watched and loved The Indian in the Cupboard when I was a kid. I haven't oh, seen it in a long yeah, time. So, yeah. you know, anyway, Frank Oz. Uh, Frank Oz, you're a good guy. you got a great legacy. What the fuck are you thinking? All right, next Terrence Stamp. Terrence as chancellor, and he gets the end, I, I believe, in this film. I know. Now, as in the credits, 
as uh, Connor explained to us, his role is apparently originally bigger. Yeah, and he, he went fuck like, this. No, thank you. And stepped away. <laughs> and had a big old boner for Natalie right. Portman. He, he wants to dock in that port. Uh, his IMDb portrait, by the way, is magical. He's wearing a big scarf, and uh, he looks real cute. He's on the red carpet for Valkyrie. Um, um, I think Terrence Stamp is wonderful in this movie. I don't really? know. What, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I think <sighs> that he has. As far as I remember, maybe three scenes, two or three scenes. He greets Amidala. Yeah. His big scene is when he's in the Senate trying to, around. trying to, you know, corral these bunch of alien loonies. And then Flying Amidala, through the air like the uncle from Mary Poppins. <laughs> I love Like the great kazoo. <laughs> he's just bubbling up in the air like the great kazoo. <laughs> like the great kazoo. Yeah. And uh, then poor, uh, now, uh, Amidala does the devoted no confidence and Komiti. he sinks. Komiti. And he sinks into his chair just defeated. And that's the one. I think he just sells it. Yeah. You feel like it's a turning point in the film because you, I think as the audience, we immediately realize hmm, this might be a bad idea getting rid of this guy. I think that might have not been a moment of conscious acting on his part. I think that might have been something they found in the editing room later. They didn't right. realize the camera was rolling. Just, it was when he went. Just so when is Natalie this. showing up? <laughs> It went, she's shooting her scene separately, and then he just sunk into his chair. Oh, God. This this podcast is so slanderous towards so Terrence Stamp. <laughs> I know. We're trying to get him in jail. Yeah. This is the jinx, but with Terrence Stamp. Ooh, he'd be a good Robert Durst. He'd be a great a Robert, Robert Durst, Durst actually. Oh, wow. I love Terrence Stamp as an actor. Me too. I think he's, he's one of our finest. Yeah. I don't think this is a good performance. Uh-oh, Ben. <sighs> When I say it's a bad performance, I don't know, but I think he doesn't do much with it. I think he seems kind of dead. Like, he does seem dispirited about being in the film. I agree with you, but I think that's all good material that he's using. But but I'd argue stacked against his other work, knowing what he's capable of. I want Ben to root. Ro- and I also, I rule. hate the fact that he just wanted to fuck Natalie that much. <laughs> you just hate that. Yeah. Ben? Well, I'm not going to let that be part of my decision. Okay, be impartial. That's I mean, good. I just, we're talking about the acting. Yep. So I'll say it's very not memorable, this performance. That's kind of my argument. Okay. Like, I, I mean, right. I, I understand what you're saying, now but I, uh, it's like not anything that really stuck out to me. I totally understand, and that is that, and he's ruled bad. Okay. Next is Brian Blessed as Boss Nass, who apparently, we learned last week, just hung out on set <laughs> a lot until being cast as the like sort of Caribbean leader of mm-hmm. a frog race yeah. who um, has a lot of vocal tics. Yeah. He goes... He does, that, he does that, and uh, he has the same irritating, racist cadence and vocabulary as Jar uh, Jar Binks with the you saw, me saw thinking, all that stuff. But it comes off a lot better with him. It does. I mean, it's harder to come off worse than Jar Jar Binks. I know. Yeah. And, and yes, he is still doing a Caribbean-like <laughs> accent. And, and unlike Ahmed, Brian Blessed is a white man. Yeah, but something about, like, like uh, Jar Jar comes off so step and fetchity. Yeah, I think a lot of the problem with Jar Jar is how stupid and clumsy he is, and sure, falls into and a lot Boss of Nass the worst traditions authority. of minstrelry and blackface from our history. Whereas Brian Blessed is playing a fairly regal character; he is respectable. Yeah, he's a boss. He, he's a bit of a buffoon, I would say. Like he seems a little uh, fat-headed, and uh, sure, but, that's, but, that's, but this is George know. slamming politics at large. He doesn't like politicians, right? 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 Also, seemingly doesn't like anybody. <laughs> this movie is just anti-humanity, <laughs> anti-anti-soul. Anyway, um, I, you know, if you're arguing for him to be in the yes column, I'd say fine because I'm gonna, I'm you know it could have been so much worse. And if I have a problem with, you know, the actor they chose to play this role and mm. the way they chose to write it, that's mm. different. Next performance, 
Andy, Andy Seacombe. Seacombe, I think. Seacombe. Yes. Another English actor. Welsh actor, I believe. Credited as Andrew Seacombe mm-hmm. in the role of Watto. Yes. Um, son of the late Sir Harry Seacombe, CBE. I think another, another, another actor. Another actor that comes from a line of actors. Um, so he plays the role of Watto. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't talked a lot about Watto. Uh, my favorite character in the film. Yeah. Uh, he had done a lot of TV and a couple small British films before episode one. And since episode one, he has largely reprised the role of Watto. In video games. And uh, Lego specials. Who knows how he got this role? I'm Yeah, it's it's kind of curious. I'm assuming he's mostly a stage actor, right? Uh, one, one assumes. Yeah. And uh, he's got the voice. He's doing a very pronounced voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you want to do an impression of Watto. I will in one second. I just want to point out he's been married to Caroline Bliss since September 1995. Good for him. 20 years. Nice to make it work. 20 years this September. Marriage is a full-time job, you know? It's not a walk in the park. You're telling me. We've been married for 25 years. We look forward to our sequel podcast about our marriage. About our marriage. Yeah, talking marriage. Uh, uh, I have a great faith in the boy. It's, it's... I really do. I don't know what to say about this performance. I love Watto. You know I am in the tank for Watto. This entire, the genesis of this podcast was you tweeting the words Watto, though, and me replying to it. That was the whole tweet. And that came four months. At, that's literally why this podcast exists. That, that we started tweeting Watto jokes at each other. Yeah. You brought up the chance cube. <laughs> yeah. Then we took it from Twitter to a private text message and went, wait a second, should we do? Yeah. We started just texting each other names of episode one characters <laughs> to see who could come up with a funnier name. Who could have the better pull? And then you went, wait, we should do a podcast. That is the origin of this. (laughs) Initially, this was going to be like a 30-episode podcast where we only talked about one character Each episode, we just went into the backstory of one character and discussed it for an hour. Okay. I think we need to... Watto, comma, T-H-O. That came off of a very successful run of tweets I'd had six months later where I wrote, bad news, went to the doctor today, tests are inconclusive. But he thinks I have Watto fever. <laughs> and then kept on posting about Watto fever and the side effects with different pictures of Watto. And those tweets got literally in the sixes or sevens of retweets. Um, I love Watto. He was the first action figure I bought. Uh, okay. I remember distinctly, uh, you asked last week as part of the um, uh, Taco Bell, uh, uh, Phantom Menace, uh, KFC. Pizza Hut rule the galaxy thing. Which planet was which? Uh, most Esley was most Espa. Sorry, misspeak uh, uh, there for random gibberish. Uh, most Espa was uh, definitely um, the Taco Bell uh, t- Tatooine, right? The, <laughs> the planet trashiest Tatooine, the trashiest one. Because I remember, in addition to uh, each store having like eight toys you had to collect, uh-huh. in a future episode, I want to read out the list of all these toys because the names of them are incredible. <laughs> sure, and you can imagine what kind of gimmicks they're each like a little spring loaded thing. Yeah. With amazing titles. Uh, but they also each had uh, cups, collectible cups, not like collectible yeah. glasses. No, I, yeah, like plastic cups. They were yeah. big plastic, like big gulp cups. And the design of the cups were the body of its respective character. Each I, store had four cups. Okay. This is the merchandise sidebar for this week. Right. Each store had four cups. So the cup just looked like Watto's body. It looked like Watto's tummy yeah. with his little legs. And then the top of the cup, there was like a bust of the character. Okay. It was actually more than bust because it had arms that you could move and a head. So it was like Pretty half cool. of an action figure on top of a cup. And you'd stick a straw on Watto's back. And I had that cup and I drank the shit out of it. 
I bet you did. I drank the shit from it. I drank the <laughs> shit out of the stuff out I of- drank from that cup. We understand. Um, Watto Cup was my favorite. Watto is my best friend. I'm strongly going to vote for this being a good performance. All right, I'm not going to argue with you. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought that was going to be a fight. No, because I think that, again, I probably have a lot of problems with Watto as character and uh-huh. Watto as voice, but he sells the shit out of the voice. And he's funny. He's yeah. got good yeah, timing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's yeah. this? A Jedi thing? Uh, yeah, no, it's true. And that's an important moment because, yeah. I'm you a know, toydian. Uh, we don't uh, do Jedi toydarian, tricks. Toydarian. Toydarian. Uh, yeah, fuck. no, it's, uh, you know, the Jedi have been invincible thus now, and he, he gives, yeah. He gives such a good... Uh, and he's got a good laugh. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, he's well animated. Watto's a great yeah, character. A great it's character. just Watto's one of the great characters yeah, in just, in all of as modern cinema. David Schwimmer made me aware he is a bit of a Jewish slaver. Yeah, and, and he's got an uncircumcised nose. Uh, uh, next is Ray Park as Darth Maul. Now here's what's interesting: a physical performance. His voice for his yeah. one line of dialogue, two lines of dialogue was uh, done by Peter Seraf- yes. Serafanowitz. So just judging as a physical performance, this is a great performance. Yeah, he's if, a martial artist, yeah. and uh, he was uh, a gym teacher. He was, you know, all that's called upon him is to be menacing, which he does well. The makeup yep. does a lot of the work. Uh, yeah, but and, that is him. But but he has good physicality, and he, and the fight scenes are incredible. He, no stunt guy, it's all no, him. It's fantastic. Yeah. and he'd been in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Okay, so that, and the year after this, he was in X Men as Toad, which I think is his best performance. Yeah, he's funny in that. Yeah, he's, he's got dialogue. Uh, so that's an no, easy we're saying he's good. Yeah, Ray Park did a good job. Lewis McLeod as the voice of Sebulba. He's great. Really? We haven't gotten into Sebulba yet. I don't like this performance. You don't like Sebulba? I don't like the choice of voice. I love Sebulba as a character. Okay. His voice has always been my least favorite part. Do we do his voice? It's a bit, it's a bit. I like his voice. I'm into it's Sebulba. I, w- I, would, I would go bad performance on Sebulba. Ben, how would you weigh in? Yeah, Ben, you're going to have to break this tie. I like Sebulba. I the voice. Think- just the voice. I like I Sebulba know. once again. I don't like the voice. Oh, fuck, I don't know. I like Sebulba as a physical character, but not as a voice. And that's all we're judging Sebulba. for this performance. We're going to have to flip a coin. Yeah, I, this is really okay. tough. Ben, I, I actually can't make... I know I'm supposed to be the, the judge. Ben, break out the chance cube. Okay. You have failed in your service as the Robert Duvall of our podcast. Chance cube. Okay. That's so red. That's red, blue, red so. means good performance. Bad means bad performance. Chance cube on the table. And here we go. Fuck, it went good. Good performance, uh, Lewis, whatever your name is. Okay, Warwick, Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. Uh, he plays a bunch of people. I, I don't think we should be judging multiple performances. That's tough. Who Wald, the hell is Wald? Podrace. Wald, Wald is the uh, uh, green oh, little yeah. alien and, and boy. And his buddy. Yeah, and his yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not vocal. He waves yeah. his arms around a lot. Podrace Spectator. That's him out of makeup. He's in Jabba's, Watto's viewing box at the Podrace. Okay, okay. It's just him with the dumb hair. And he's a most auspicious and who knows. I don't think he did a good job. No, I don't know who you are, Warwick yeah, Davis, yeah, by the way. I don't know. All right. Steve Spires is Captain Tarples. Uh, that's the Jar Jar's. Um, yeah. Jar Jar's oh, Jar Jar, you say in big doo doo now. Yes, yeah. Uh, no, no, thank you. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Hard pass on that one. <laughs> Another Welsh actor. Uh, yeah. He's also in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, apparently. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, Silas Carson, who plays Newt Gunray, the lead Nemoidian, mm-hmm. and Ki Adi Mundi, who is a uh, a Jedi. Yep. And Lot Dodd, is that another Jedi? Mm-hmm. And a Republic cruiser pilot. So he's all over this movie. But this is as physical performances. I believe he's not the voice. Uh, you're probably right. I don't know. Ooh, he's a handsome man. Really? Very handsome. Silas. I'm scrolling down to check. 
If he was the voice as well. He also is the voice of the Ood in Doctor Who. He's not the voice. Well, he's great as the Ood. He is. Yeah. He's not the voice of Newt Gunray? He's not. Well, as the guy who uh, physically embodies those roles, he's fine. I would say he's bad. Uh, great. Let's make mark him down as bad. <laughs> great. <laughs> I hate everything about those characters. I don't want to give anyone any credit. I don't know any of the next person. Drum Blake, Masamita. No, his, who are these people? Uh, no, Jedi we're, Council, we, This can't Ta, count. This can't count. Runaku. <laughs> You don't want to, the people who are just the physical, you don't no. want to count these I people? I don't know who any of these people are in this movie, and I've watched this movie like 10 times. So are we taking back our bad vote for Silas Carson? No, 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 because he's he's important enough. I can I know tell who you New who Gunray all these is. people are. Oh, my God. Rune Haku is like the assistant to New Gunray. Masamita is the one with like the brown uh, skin and like tattoos all over his face and horns and long hair. Yeah. Ornfrey Ta is another one of the fucking. Ju- it's not a good performance. No. All right, okay? yeah, mark him now. Yeah, uh, Alan Rusko plays Bib Fortuna, who's Jabba's sort of secretary. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Clone, Blue Clone. Um, who's the uh, uh, beetle face guy, the one who looks like <laughs> right, a cockroach? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say it feels like Bib Fortuna could have been done better. Maybe by a different actor? Yeah, I do like Plo Kloon, though. Um, yeah, let's vote against him. Okay. Yeah, Bib uh, Fortuna feels like an unexploited character. Uh, Ralph Brown as Rick Ollier. Oh, he's awful. Agreed. He is so Agreed. bad. That's the um, that's the sort of the Naboo starfighter pilot. He, yeah. He's the pilot of the princess's ship. He has a bunch of annoying scenes. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he he really sucks. I yeah, hate him. He's really bad. Is he in the final Starfight? I forget. Is I he is remember. he in the Naboo? He's such Star- a non entity. He's a piece of shit. Okay. These next three are Celia Emery, who's a great actress. Oh, I love her. As currently seen in the second best exotic Marigold Hotel. That's right. Benedict Taylor and Clarence Smith so as they're, they're Fighter all Pilot in the Bravo, Bravo Five, Two, yeah. and Three. I don't remember any of these people being in I remember movie. her in it. They're all fine, but uh, I don't think we can count them. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that we skip. Ooh. Yeah, we'll skip them, but we'll go to Samuel L. Jackson. As Mace. Another Academy Award-nominated actor. Jedi Knight. Mm-hmm. Mace Windu. Um, I think he's all right, actually. I think he's all right. Yeah, I think that, again, like Neeson, you know, he has to project a lot of authority with very yeah. little. Uh, and he does that well. He's another guy with Prince. Mace Windu's a bit of a jerk. Yeah. But he's not quite as bad as uh, Yoda, who openly mocks a child for being scared. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a yeah. little more forgiving. He's just a... Yeah. You know, he has a sort of formality to him, a little stiffness that all yeah. the Jedi seem to have. Anyway, let's, let's give him a good. Let's give him a good. Uh, Dominic West is a palace guard. Don't remember him in the movie. I remember him. He's not good. Oh, sorry, Dom. Yeah. <laughs> you hadn't figured it out yet. Uh, later goes on to be McNulty in The Wire. He's, he's Great just, actor. He's out, of, he's out of his element here. All right, we have to skip the next three. The, That's the Rebe, Erte, Yane. Uh, and we have Sofia Coppola as Sasha. Now, apparently, she's in this movie. She is very difficult to spot. Yeah, I she's think it's also the handmaidens. But Kira Knightley as Sabe, doing the, you know, really the the majority. A lot of, of a lot of Amidala. the heavy lifting yeah. as Amidala. I would argue, Kira Knightley, I think, is a very underrated actress. Yeah, two well deserved Academy w- Award nominations. One who grew. She's yes. an actress who's yeah, not a good performance. No, it's a bad. performance. Not a good performance. And uh, a better performance might have helped that whole ridiculous plotline. Yeah, she looks physically uncomfortable on camera. Yeah, she does, which is un- understandable because um, she's wearing a lot of bullshit. Uh, Bronna Gallagher plays public cruiser captain. Sorry, Bronna, don't I don't know who you are. John, John Fensum is, is in physical the physical TC fourteen in the suit for TC fourteen. Uh, with that real sort of come hither Marilyn yeah. Monroe, sort of herky jerky, yeah, yeah. fuck me uh, physicality. 
Um, I mean, he's really playing sort of the eye candy of the movie. I agree. I feel, you know, not conflicted that it was played by a man. It's certainly broadening my sexual horizons because I I really, really want to fuck TC14 with every movement. Uh, I would argue it's a good performance. That's fine. (laughs) That's that's absolutely fine. That John Fenton in the suit. All right. Now, Greg Proops as Fode. Uh, Who is one of the two-headed... Potter Scott Capurro plays Bede, but yeah. um, Bede's and lines are all in Huttese. Yeah. I would so. argue that Bede's performance is bad and <laughs> Fode is good. <laughs> you think Fode is good? Now, now yeah. as I, as you, and you should listen to um, Matt Gorley's podcast, I was there too, where mm-hmm. he interviewed Greg Poops about, mm-hmm. Proops about making this movie, mm-hmm. and it seems like a very frustrating process, one, mm-hmm. although he's he's very kind to Lucasfilm for like sort of inviting him back to do video yes, games, things sure, like that. Sure. But um, he improvised a lot of those lines. He improvised... Some pretty annoying lines, like, I don't care what what universe you're from, that's gotta hurt. At the time of the release of The Phantom Menace, which was... And I love Greg Poops, by the way. The best one I've really yes. funny. Yeah. Uh, Whose Lines I was my favorite show on TV. I was so excited about the fact that a Whose Line guy was in Star Wars. Yeah. And I also distinctly remember my dad taking a phone call after we saw Phantom Menace, we went out to dinner. Sure. And he went, uh, it was loud. That was his. And then he hung movie. up, and I went, "You didn't like it?" Because I was like, "That's the best movie ever." And he went, I-, "I thought the announcer was funny." So that that stuck with you. He laughed through all of the announcer. My dad okay. loves sports. He loves sports commentators. Yeah, he yeah, thought no. it was funny to place yeah. it in. I don't know why I'm being mean. Proops did good. And he also, it's it's kind of one <laughs> modern relatable element in a film that is so distanced from our own reality. And not, and not only that, but like there's some humor there that's right. just sorely lacking. Right, so, so I think we give thanks, him a point and, you, and Scott Capurro is in the bad column. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Apparently Scott Capurro initially recorded all his lines in English, later was told he had to double really? in Huttese. Yes. So not his fault, but it's not a good performance. Alright, now there's a bunch of people who are not... These are Jedi's, We're not speaking roles. Them. Michelle Taylor played Yarrell Poof, clearly a homophobe. Uh, <laughs> As an actress, uh, we're skipping ahead to these, oh boy, skipping straight down to Lindsay Duncan as the voice of TC14. That's one we really wanted to get to. Oh boy, like like pouring honey on a dick, you know? Absolutely. Like pouring Look, honey Lindsay on Duncan, I, I really, I could just tell God. you, there's like a, a half dozen things you should watch right away. What g- g- Quick recommendations, because this I mean, is an easy... Last year's The Honorable Woman, a wonderful... Yeah, my brother's crazy about that. I gotta watch uh, it. The Weekend with Jim Broadbent. That's a I great saw that. little movie. That's a lovely little movie. Uh, she's the mother in About Time. I don't remember her uh, being very central to About Time, but she's good. She's very good in it. There's yeah. the scene where he comes to visit when uh, Bill Nye's dying, and she has, yes. I forget what her dialogue is, but she said it's its someone grieving in process, knowing that she's losing the love of her life. Um, um, I think you know her performance is Margaret Thatcher that your French uncle loved. Jean-Claude, my uncle. Oh, sorry. Well, he's French. Yeah. Your French uncle. Right. Um, uh, I, really, I thought you said your friend. Your friend uncle. Yeah, uh, you know she's in Rome. She was great in Rome. Yeah, she's great in everything. This, um, this is my an easy favorite. Good my favorite yeah. Lindsay Duncan performance. I just want to get down to it. Is in the 2001 BBC miniseries Perfect Strangers that everyone should watch with Michael Gambon and Matthew McFadden. It's great. My favorite Lindsay Duncan performance is as the voice of TC14 in the wet dream that I had <laughs> last night. That is my favorite. <laughs> All right, of so she's a good. She's a great. Okay, Peter Serafinowicz. He's Darth Maul, the also voice. the voice of a battle droid commander and a Gungan scout. He kills it. Good voice. He work. just kills it. Yeah, it's an easy pass. James Taylor as the voice of Rune Haku. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here, James Taylor. I assume this is James Taylor, the musician, singer <laughs> of Fire and Rain. I I can only assume. Who's Rune Haku again? He's one of the Nemoidians. He's the one. He, uh, is he the one who's kind of like? 
Oh, he's like behind him. Yeah. Who, yeah, yeah he's there like he the is. He's the, yeah. Who's the Neimoidian with like the shit all over her face? Oh, oh God. I wish I knew her name. She's got like the robot eyes. Yeah, she's, she's got crazy. like robot glasses. Uh, she's the worst. <laughs> What's up with that person? She's the worst. Okay, so he's a British actor. He's on a ton of TV, including uh, Faulty Towers. Wow. Um, Jimmy. I, I, the Prisoner, he was on 11 he episodes He was in a Cry the in the Dark? Oh, no, not The Prisoner. It was just called Prisoner. Mm. Uh, he was in a movie called else. Lawrence from Outer Space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Plenty. He was also in Plenty. He did two different uh, films with Meryl Streep. Uh, this is this is an awful performance. We can agree. You blew it, buddy. We've been mocking this. I, I, who knows who was the first one to come up with the voice? He was only playing alone. But he's but... doing the voice, just yes. like Newt Gunray. Wait, wait, yes. Do we ever figure out who voices Newt Gunray? Uh, Senator Lot Dodd is also one of the Moidians. Toby Longworth, <laughs> also a white British man. Also the, the voice, voice of, of Gragra. Gragra. Who we, haven't, is... we haven't discussed Gragra uh, We'll yet. get to Gragra. We might do a whole Gragra oh, episode. Yeah, yeah, Gragra's... Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons we started doing this podcast. Absolutely. Um, uh, both uh, now, of those are bad performances. Um, no question. Did both we of those ever are get bad to the voice of Newt Gunray? Uh, it must be further down here. No, it's not. I think that Silas really? Carson is the voice of Newt Gunray. Hold on, because that would be... That would be a problem. A Roman Coppola, uncredited as Senate guard. Yeah. Bruce Sisson. I'm going through all these uncredited here. Gunk drives. Um... I think that's it. You Will know. you pull up Wikipedia? Do you have I am Wikipedia pulling up Newt Gunray's entry right now. This okay. is going to be the grand conclusion of this podcast. Because, uh, yeah, I don't see any other ones that, I mean, that really needed to be covered. Don't, don't, yeah, we went through all the big ones. How the freaking Wikipedia, like, pretends like it's real so it doesn't tell you who played him. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have to go, fucking... like, way down to yeah, find out. This episode out. is sponsored by IMDb and not by Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia, get them. off your fucking high horse. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he was played by Silas Carson and played by, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay, so you were going to vote for him to be in the good column. No, he's out of the good column. He's not. If he was the voice of Newt Gunray. Right. Yeah, he was in the bad column originally. He, he stays in the bad column. Okay. Yeah. So here's our final tally. Yeah. One vote for other. Yeah, Kenny, uh, good, Kenny good Baker, job, Kenny. Yeah, good job, but we can't call that a good performance. Yeah, you, yeah, you move it around a lot. Yeah, uh, and a lot of it feels CGI. Oh boy! That's... In the good column. Okay. Fifteen. Okay. Pretty good. We voted that there were fifteen good performances in this one. <laughs> I'm immediately regretting that, but okay. Yep, me too. I think we went a little too easy <laughs> on this one. In the bad column? But two of those 15 were TC14. <laughs> and in the bad column, 17. Okay. So we have officially decided that the acting in Phantom Mass is bad, but only by On a balance, hair. it's bad, but, you it's know. It's a squeaker. There's some good stuff in there. It's a squeaker. Did we say Natalie Portman was good? No, we didn't. Did no, we, we didn't. Okay, no. good. <laughs> um, I'm already forgetting. I do, I do, yeah. Looking at this list, I feel I feel. We good. were a little too nice. We were too nice. And I like the, you know, I like the movie, but. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that we're going to get a lot of viewer hate mail for this, but good oh. thing we have never disclosed our emails on this show. So you can just, my email is on my Twitter account. Yeah, uh, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, tell us if you disagree with any of these performances. Uh, I'm Griff Lightning on Twitter. I'm David L. Sims. Uh, we are both also on the Star Wars Card Trader app under those oh, names. If boy. you want to make a trade, I got a Green Lando. I don't know if people want it. It's weird though. It feels like there are a lot of expanded universe characters in this app because there are a lot of characters who aren't <laughs> in Phantom Menace. Recommend. Yeah, like I don't know who Lando is, but I got a green one. Yeah, there's there's a character named uh, Han Solo. <laughs> Who I have like twenty seven of. So if anyone wants a hand solo, I don't care about characters who aren't in the movie. Maybe he's one from one of the fucking video games. He looks kinda like a young Harrison Ford. I don't give a shit. 
I like cool looking aliens. This is just some dude with a fucking haircut and a vest. I got a bunch of C-3PO's. He looks like Alan Starzynski. He's just a dude in a vest. (laughs) And that's a shout out to Alan Starzynski who really wants to be on this podcast. Okay. Um, Yeah, look forward. We're going to have some guests in the future, I think. Right? We're, yeah. we're working on that. Yeah, this was another... Uh, solo bubble. Uh, solo bubble. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, but we, we have some guests in the work. Uh, works uh, that uh, I think will be exciting. Um, <laughs> so tweet us if you, if you disagree. Uh, tweet at... Uh, David L. Sims. Griff David Lightning. L. Sims. Griff Lightning. Star Wars Card Trader. Tweet UCB at comedy. J. Lib Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> um, tweet hashtag uh, yes, Jake. <laughs> um, it's Jonathan Lipnicki. <laughs> His Twitter account is Jlipnicky. Oh no, I thought you said Jake Lipnicky. No, 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 no. You hashtag yes Jake <laughs> saying yes you agree that Jake is bad <laughs> in the Phantom Menace. Cuz they is were Is Jake Lloyd on Twitter? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I think he wants to avoid the abuse. Yeah. Look, I I think child actors should be able to live in, you know, whatever kind in of life they peace, want, yeah. in relative peace, not be pestered for their past work, be able to live normal life. So for that reason, I encourage you to go on Twitter mm-hmm. and blindly tweet at Nikki <laughs> Hashtag yes, Jake. I'm trying to get him to block me on as many different <laughs> Twitter accounts as possible. Because uh, the last podcast I hosted, Talking TCGS, <laughs> in which Ben produced and you were often a, I was a guest, guest yeah. um, he uh, blocked us. All right. Goodbye. Um, goodbye, great everybody. Uh, another great week. <laughs> <laughs> another one for the record books. Uh, five episodes of just talking about <laughs> Phantom. Phantom Menace. And not acknowledging anything else. <laughs> <laughs> not not comparing it to other movies no. that may or may not exist. <laughs> and, uh, all right. All stemming out of one tweet. <laughs> Watto, though. Watto, comma, T-H-O, period. So I'm proud of myself. David, are you proud of yourself? I'm so proud. Ben, are so you proud, proud of yourself? Us. I'm proud. Put that three in the good column. We're the best podcast of all time. Thank you for listening and tune in next week. Bye.